Hello world, and welcome to a Holly Jolly episode of Here's a Guy. Uh, this is Alex, I am back, I'm coming to you live from St. Louis. Uh, but it is another two-man episode, which I'm sure you're all just so, so disappointed to hear. Um, I am joined by apparently the only person who bothers to show up on this podcast every single week. It's Cody, <laughs> coming to us from Illinois. Cody, how are you? You guys uh, appreciate the fact that I'm the one pulling my weight right now, despite the fact it is extremely busy for me at work right now. We're actually yeah. recording this a little bit later because I was stuck at the office late. Um, so, yeah, uh, shout out to Jack John for weaseling his way out of this. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about why, uh, I assume, at some point before we get yeah. this, So Yeah, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Work's been similar... For me, I, I've actually been uh, sick for some of this week, um, but I'm okay enough to record. But the good news is that as of this evening, I am on vacation until uh, uh, the turnover of the new year. So, hence why I'm drinking a... nice. If, uh, if that was not the case, then I probably would have diluted this uh, eggnog and whiskey a little bit more. But goddammit, it's a fucking Thursday night and I don't have to go tis, to work tomorrow. That's, that's the ideal. Season. yeah. Tis that's the right. season for substance abuse, and yeah, that's, that's right. That's the the bummer for me is that the uh, the day at so starting the day after Christmas and then the next like five days are like the busiest five days of my year. So it yeah. really kind of it 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 makes your window for holiday joy a, a little slimmer, which might might kill the vibe for some people. But I prefer to look at it as well. I just gotta just gotta squeeze a little more little more joy into the little time i've got so we're gonna try and do that right yeah i assume you'll be you'll be able to blow off some steam over this weekend at least uh that's the plan um we'll we'll see yeah well it is christmas this is our christmas episode um and if you've listened to either of our previous two christmas episodes things do get a a bit strange and i i have a sneaking suspicion that's going to be the case again this year but um we do have really some stuff to get epi- to. It'd be a really unusual episode if they didn't get strange. Yeah, that's fair. Fair that point. Is kind of, that is kind of what we do. <clears throat> so, we have some business to deal with first. We do have a, 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 a holiday opening segment. But before that, um, we had a listener email from our good friend John Fleming. Um, I think more accurately to put it, we, we actually have two listener emails from our friend John Fleming. Because... He emailed us in response to uh, uh, the most recent episode last week when uh, you and Jack were a two-man operation. Which, by the way, I can't deny your reason for why you said I wasn't there. I, you kind of had me against the ropes because it occurs to me I never even told you two what the actual reason I was gone was. So you could have said pretty much anything and I would have no defense. I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those where you almost shouldn't bother telling us like, if you're not going to be there for an episode... There's no point. There's really no point in, in explaining why. Because, number one, what are we going to make you give us a doctor's note or something? Like, this is a completely voluntary, free thing. It doesn't right. matter, the fuck it you doesn't do, matter if we do this at all. Yeah, it's just... Um, and also, we're going we're gonna to come up with something that's uh, a little more colorful one way or the other. Sure. Uh, except for tonight's episode, everything uh, we're going to say about Jack John is 100% true, just like the time Jack John is gone. Uh, do you want to go ahead and address that, or, or do, do you want to wait a little bit? Let's let's talk about John's emails first, then we'll get to that. 
Sure. Okay. So um, John had emailed us a few days ago in response to something you and Jack talked about, but that actually reminded me that John emailed us on, I believe, Halloween, and I just fucking completely forgot to ever uh, bring it up. So something happened where I don't get like email notifications anymore. So it's kind of at the mercy of when I go look. And then in uh, early November, I forgot to do it. And then we had uh, uh, the holiday and then here's a guy live. So I haven't done like a normal episode of the show in several weeks. Um, but John put a lot of effort into this email <laughs> Halloween. So I think in fairness to him, uh, I should read it. <clears throat> Do you remember how, when he watched Now You See Me, he wrote us a poem? Well, he did uh, a similar thing for The Howling Reborn. So, I, I was, see, I was hoping John would have some kind of response, because his response to Now You See Me was, was pretty great. So I'm glad, we didn't, I'm glad we didn't let this go by the wayside. Right, right. So this this was John's email. And before I say that, the Howling Reborn and Now You See Me reviews. So the, the Now You See Me review is permanently hosted on our Patreon. Um, it For a limited time only, I have it up on Spotify just to give you all a taste. It's coming down in a few days. So last call. Um, but if you want to listen, be able to have access to it permanently, check out our Patreon um, You're here's gonna a guy. Start now. It's three hours long. Right. You say if you have any traveling to do over the holidays and are going to be in the car for a long time, that'll kill three hours. Um, but that's not the only thing we reviewed. We've also reviewed just a fucking nightmare of a movie called The Howling Reborn that you recommended. Um, You're welcome. And that that will remain on our Patreon. Um, but John, like the good Patreon sub he is, he watched our review of that, and he wrote a poem about it. Uh, this movie, we talked about it. The, the, the shortest way I can sum it up is that it is a, a... It's in the Howling franchise, which is a franchise of werewolf horror movies, but this is an attempt to like use that IP and then also capitalize off of the Twilight phrase. And it just, it's just awful. It's so yeah. bad. And, um, and like I said in the review, uh, just to give you a little peek, the Howling franchise is a franchise in which there is not a single good movie. Yeah. Not, not a one. Right, right. Not e one of the highly the, thought the OG, of horror franchises. Yeah. Even the OG falls squarely in the realm of bad horror movies. That one, I think, falls under watchable, can be fun if you're drunk, mm -hmm. bad horror movies. The rest are just utter shit. Um, and right. this is maybe... So there's this one, and there's one more, which I think we might review next October if we get around to mm -hmm. it, that are battling it out for the worst. But yeah, th this movie uh, this movie is a real turd. Well, what John thinks about us, because he wrote us in uh, after listening to our review, he says, I wasn't originally going to watch The Howling Reborn, as unlike Now You See Me, which at least had an interesting enough premise and several brand name stars, I figured this would just be B-movie schlock. But after you called me out during re your review, I felt compelled to check it out. I was conflicted between writing another poem or doing a point-counterpoint comparison of The Howling Reborn and Now You See Me, so I decided to write a poem comparing the two films. To be fair, John, I'm not much... First of all, John, don't act like we made, we made you do this. Do not blame us for this. If you listen to our review and then watch yeah. this movie, 
That is, you are a victim of your own poor decision. Especially because I think we said, don't watch this movie. I gave yeah. it zero stars. Zero. Not that, a that's... single good redeeming quality. No, it has nothing going for it. Um, but uh, uh, he says, to be fair, I'm not much of a horror film connoisseur outside of films like Psycho or Get Out, which are both masterfully crafted and written stories with relevant commentary about the real world. Putting them in stark contrast with The Howling Reborn. <clears throat> it may seem quite silly to dissect the plot, but these two films built to make my brain rot. But while Now You See Me has a holer 15, I did get the premise taking place on the screen. Magicians and heists, it's not a bad pitch. Even Ruffalo's arc made me twitch. All in all, I must say there's much doubt, even when concluded, what Reborn is about. Why does Eliana show interest in Will? Why is Roland armed? Is he aiming to kill? There's so many ideas, or maybe none. And on some level, I find this anarchy fun. But in terms of plot, it feels like a sin. But I have to give Now You See Me the win. Dialogue is a far trickier beast, determining whose I hated the least. But ultimately, credit to the Twilight clone, despite all the countless times that I did groan. It has all the worst lines, though also the best. I like the abortion line, not even in jest. While Now You See Me is just far too dry, obsessed that we think Woody's a real cool guy. Despite that he's sexist, transphobic, and such, at least we weren't supposed to like Sachin much. In terms of the vigils, Now You See Me wins, it looks pretty good despite all the plot sins. The Howling Reborn does okay for its price, but it wouldn't be realism that would entice. Acting, I think I'd give the uh, Howling the nod. The leads weren't awful despite the plot being odd. I know they're just Nick stars, but it wasn't pain, like watching a dumb role from Michael Damn Kane. If I had to give thumbs up to one of the two, then Howling Reborn made me less want to boo. It's not a good movie, but in times it is fun, and I feel less indignant when the film is done. Perhaps expectations much lower did help. How I felt about horror that provokes no yelp. Sure, the people who made Howling have failed, but I'm less inclined to ask that they all be jailed. Well, thank you very much for that, John. We really appreciate it. And, and yeah, there's several things in there that, that for those of you who haven't heard the review, are probably wondering what the fuck he's talking about. I am telling you. Our Patreon is $5. You need Five to hear bucks. the review of this movie to believe that it's real. Don't go watch it first. Go listen to our review, and then if you're a sadist like us and John, you may feel compelled. It's, it's a truly surreal uh, piece of pop culture. For Yeah, for, for probably half of what you paid for lunch today, just, just that every month, you can listen to us talk about things like this uh, so you don't have to experience them yourself. Um, John makes a very good point there, actually. I was, uh, I didn't really think about comparing which of these films had the worst dialogue. And I wish I had, because that is a very interesting proposition. Because they were both just absolute shit when it came to dialogue. And really, in, in very much the same way, it, it was very much exactly the kind of thing you would expect from its genre but almost more like what you would expect from a spoof of that genre. Like, it was almost self-parody how corny these lines were. Yes. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's exactly the kind of stuff you expect to hear in a <laughs> shitty, uh, hubris-laden magician heist film or a bad Twilight clone. Mm -hmm. 
it, it was just executed horrendously. Just, just for, just to give one example, and there's many such. So I'm not, I'm not killing anything by telling you this because, like, you're gonna want to hear the other ones. But in the Howling Reborn, there's a moment where the movie came out in 2011. There's a moment in the movie where they say, not tongue in cheek, not sarcastically, not ironically, they, the main character says, you should see the other guy in complete seriousness. That is what level this is operating under. And that is why you need to check this review out because it's just, it's, it's an hour and a half of that shit. Um, so thank you for that, John, but you have another email for us to read. Um, John sent us an email a few days ago saying, let's remember and get mad about some cities. I greatly appreciated Cody and Jack John's discussion of cities with dumb pronunciations, and I feel that it is my obligation to note a few others as the um, only question mark member of the Hag Extended Universe who is a native of Missouri. Um, infamously, there is the city in the southwestern part of the state that is spelled Nevada, as in the state Las Vegas is in. However, it is pronounced with a hard A sound on the first A, as in Nevada. Cody, had you heard of that one? Because I've heard, I'd heard of that one. God, uh, I, I wish I still hadn't. I hate that so much. <laughs> this is one of those things, I don't know if it came across in the last episode, but these are massive pet peeves for me. These things really annoy me. So, yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's fucking awful. That That is just terrible. I Yeah, boo, hiss. Uh, this is a somewhat common one, but it bears repeating. Milan, not as in the, not as in the city in Italy, but Milan. This is also true of Milan, Indiana, the city best known as the setting of Hoosiers. Um, he also says, like Milan. <laughs> says there's the capital of Spain, Madrid, and the town fault of New Madrid, one that I am more inclined to defend because I can at least see how someone who has never heard the Spanish city said out loud might think that's it. It isn't completely insane like Nevada. It's almost got one of those like southern or western pronunciations. Uh, like that. That's they. Kind it's of got a twang to it. Like yeah. That. yeah. Alex is surely quite familiar with the many French street names in St. Louis that are inevitably given anglicized pronunciations. We do a decent job with Chateau, but don't even try with Gravois. Gravois pronounced Gravoy. Um, and also, for some reason, the street spelled S P O E D E is pronounced Spady. It's a shame that the world doesn't know about our deeply perverted pronunciations. If only they knew how much more common it was than the bread slice bagel thing. So a couple things to unpack there. I actually think Spady is correct. Like, I don't really have an issue with that one. Um, but Graboy is, is... Yeah. Graboy and Shoto are uh, perverted. You're correct about that. I'd add another one. Everyone gets this wrong until someone corrects them. In fact, I had to correct my intern on this because she she said it pronounced it this way in a hearing. The county, um, like two, it's two counties to the south of St. Louis County. I used to work there. It's uh, and w there's a large French population down there. Uh, it's spelled Saint Francois, but it's pronounced Saint Francis. So, there's that. God, Cody, you're, you you seem to, you are, seem to be struggling to have something. <laughs> people are fucking savages. I'm I'm sorry. Like you are you are all heathens. But also down there, there's there's a small river called the Saint Francis River, but that's spelled like just Francis. So I don't know because in what order those things happen. Yeah. 
know but if yeah, my... Francis is like an anglicized version of Francois, or if it was one of those kind of dual delineation things where they both just kind of beats me, man, from the same source, and it depends on where you were. Either way, though, come on. One of the towns there that I used to work in, it's Bullshit. it's Potosi, which is the name of the town, in, the city in South America. But they pronounce that one right, in fairness, because I that one is really hard to fuck up. I don't know how yeah, you, you fuck up Potosi. You almost have to be trying, yeah. Yeah, it'd be like Potosi or something like that. It, it'd be that's harder to I, screw it up. That's what I thought about Berlin. Yeah. But here we are. Um... The sliced bagel thing. Cody, do you, do you know what he's talking about when he says this? Because, you know, he, this is a, a bugaboo for both him and me. I've heard kind of oblique references to this, but I don't remember exactly what, what the issue is. Uh, the St. Louis food scene catches a lot of flack from, like, snotty people who live in New York and Philly and Chicago. Despite the fact our food scene's great. And the food scene's great as all those other cities, too. I'm of the opinion that if you can't find really good food in any major city, you're just fucking picky. That like yeah. that you're 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 too finicky to take seriously. It, it's it's impossible. Um, if you don't like St. Louis style pizza, I get it. I mean, there it's not my favorite either. It's fine, but there's part elements of it that are controversial. It's it's one of those things that I really like every once in a while. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of get a craving for it every once in a while. But we got other good shit. We got, you know, we've got gooey butter cake. We've got toasted barbecue. ravioli. Um, the barbecue, of course, is fantastic. Um, and also St. Louis style really, spare ribs. Not really native to St. Louis, but uh, some of the best Italian food you'll find in the country is right down on the hill. Oh, sure. I was just over on the hill earlier today. Yeah. Um, so that that's just sort of long been a thing in the interest of... Um, Again, people who live in New York and Philly and Chicago and claim to be uh, forward-thinking always seem to find a way to shit on, like, uh, you know, majority POC working-class cities. I don't, I don't yeah. know what that's all about, but... Um, it's almost um, as though. It's almost as though, yes. But um, one of the controversial ones was... I had never even heard of this. Um... I think this is a, a Breadco thing, a St. Louis Breadco thing, which everywhere other than St. Louis is what you call Panera Bread. Um, apparently, if you buy bagels from there, they slice them. Like, the, the bagels slice in half, and they will also slice them lengthways. So that you get, like, a sliver of the bagel, and you can, you know, put spread on okay. or whatever. I've never That's actually right. seen this in the real world. But it went viral, and everybody just dumped on it as if it was the most offensive fucking Why? thing. I, I made this comment. People are way too fucking sensitive about bagels. Bagels are good, but people get so finicky about this that it feels performative. I'm nervous saying that because I'm worried that I'm being anti-Semitic, but I also worry that it's anti-Semitic for me to think that that could be anti-Semitic, so I don't know where to fall on that. I, and I'll I just don't... say that I disagree. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't think uh, the Jewish folk uh, own bagels i don't think that yeah it's completely unique to them um and also it's food um cut it however you want who gives you know, a fuck it, it's still if it's good it's, it's good. still you're still eating the exact same thing you would be otherwise no matter how it is sliced it's and like so i could see how it would be much easier for you to put your apply your topping the way you want it to my understanding is it's a thing that people get for like 
offices and corporate meetings and shit. I've not seen it. Now, like, it, what the thing I will admit is St. Louis doesn't have a great bagel scene. There is a new place that just opened in Webster Groves I want to try. Now, our donut scene is phenomenal. That's but true. bagels are kind of are kind of whatever. It's 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 like the infamous cinnamon roll. I haven't found a great place for it yet. Um, but don't get me started on it, that fucking fiasco. Yeah, it almost seems like every city's food scene leans toward um, it's like largely it's ethnic makeup. So St. Louis, you know, mm-hmm. barbecue, Italian uh, stuff like yeah. that. That makes sense. Uh, not a whole lot. It, there's not a real heavy presence of any uh, heavily bagel eating culture in St. Mm. Louis, at least no more than your average city. Yeah, a lot of the, the Jewish population lives in the county. And other than Cone's Kosher Deli, I haven't explored that part of the county just in general very much. So maybe there's a hidden gem there that I don't know about. Um, but, you know, perhaps for the future. I mean, I, I mean, a great thing about yeah. living in a, in a big sure. city is like, you know, I've lived here for. I've lived here for eight and a half years now, and there's still stuff that I, stuff that I'm discovering every day. So um, that's my positive note on it, uh, despite my crankiness. Um, <laughs> but thank you for the email, John Fleming. Uh, we appreciate all that you do, and uh, we hope to have you back on again soon because I understand you do have a topic locked and loaded for us. So maybe maybe sometime coming up. Um, there's one other opening matter we wanted to get to because it is a Christmas episode. Let's, actually, real real quick, let's. Uh explain why jack's not here oh sure sure yeah you you want you want to take it away on that yeah so um from what i hear and granted this is what i hear through the grapevine so uh, i assume that it is absolute fact uh jack and laura took baby jt to see santa at the mall the first time earlier today and um you know like a lot of times they'll give out little presents uh to the kids as they come up so uh this uh, this giveaway happened to be a uh, Hello Kitty backpack, which Jack had his eyes on uh, as, as soon as he saw it. And he was very upset when Santa explained that he was too old to receive one of the children's gifts. Uh, the argument got a little heated. Uh, Jack kicked Santa right in the nuts, uh, was tased by several Renacops. Uh, his pants fell down. He farted a bunch of female <laughs> elves, saw him and laughed. So uh, we're trying to get Jack out of mall jail right now, but uh, he he still refuses to let go of the backpack. It, 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 he's been assured that as soon as he accepts the fact that he he would in fact have to pay for uh, such Hello Kitty merch as as he is extremely yeah. fond of, um, you know it, he he will be let go. But he is uh, clinging on to that thing for dear life. Um, yeah, there there is an effort being made right now to negotiate and free jack john but uh right now uh everything's still kind of tied up in arbitration there so jack uh if you hear this uh we're gonna send you a spoon so you can dig your way out of that mall jail you'll be out soon enough we'll have you home for christmas yeah we're, we're having some trouble i mean, mall jail's tough the, the big problem with mall jail is that like you don't actually have any rights so i'm, I'm struggling yeah. to think of what motion i can file or who to file with being in um, mall jail is the opposite of being a sovereign citizen. You no longer yeah. have any. You no longer have any rights at all the second you walk into that building. Yeah, the similarity is that uh, both things tend to end with you getting tased. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it sounds like Jack John will be uh, getting some coal in his stocking, and that uh, 
that's a good transition to our next segment. Because for our Christmas segment this year, rather than doing a, a, an Am I the Grinch, we've decided to try and balance things out a little bit. Um, for the Christmas season, we're going to be putting some coal in some stockings and also some candy in some stockings. So um, I believe we both prepared some people or things we want to give uh, coal and candy to. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Uh, do, so we want to go one by one. Um. Yeah, let's just let's maybe just alternate. Each, yeah, let's alternate between candy and coal, and then we can each do a candy, and then each do a coal, or okay, however you want. You want to do it. Yeah, let's start. Let's start with some candy. Uh, let Let's start us off on a on a positive note. Um, I want to put some candy in the stockings of uh, the janitors of Anheuser Busch, the Anheuser Busch facility here in St. Louis, um, who announced today that they are unionizing. So, um, so congrats and, uh, hopefully nothing terrible comes from that. But, um, I think being a janitor, it's a hard job anyway, but anywhere where there's a bunch of tourists is it's adds an extra layer of difficulty because tourists are fucking menaces, man. And also horses and horses and beer. People get drunk. There's probably just piss all over the place, but Anheuser-Busch janitors have rightfully unionized. So candy goes in your stockings, fellas. Cheers. All right, who would you uh, like am, to, to give some candy? I am going to go a little closer to home and put some candy in the stockings of our friends Pookie and Kelsey. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been a big year for them. They got married. They opened the uh, Tabletop Lounge here in uh, Jacksonville, Jacksonville's first board game lounge. Uh, really big things in the work for those two. Uh, just fucking crushing it, y'all. So uh, keep up the good work, and uh, you get you get candy this year. I think you've earned it. All right, all right. Um, do you want to do more candy, or do you want to do you want to do some coal? Some coal. Yeah, let's do some coal. Um, so for me, the, uh, the first people I want to put some coal in the stocking of um, is the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department. And I mean, this this is one you could do any day out of the year, yeah. but uh, they uh-huh. they've had a particularly adventurous week for those of you who have not been following along with this story. Um, and there, there's there's more details that come out every single day, but here's what we know for now: is that the other night a, uh, a St. Louis cop uh, drove his patrol vehicle into the front of an LGBTQ uh, bar in the city and fucked the whole thing up. And the two owners, uh, um, a married couple who live above the bar, both came down and were were both pretty freaked out. Other cops roll up, start demanding their ID. They claim that one of the owners, like, open hand pushed one of the cops in the chest and then ran away. Um, and then, uh, uh, so that owner got a felony assault uh, law enforcement charge filed against him and was being held on no bond when the shit hit the fan in the media, because the media is very cop-friendly at the moment, but even this is a little bit... This really, is over the line. There, there yeah. aren't a whole. There aren't a whole lot of justifications for this. It's just I, so relentlessly St. Louis. This story. This um, is a joke they, that I made on Twitter, but I'll go ahead and make it here too. I'm pretty sure that these were the cops from Superbad who were doing yes. this. Yeah. Um. Once word hit the media, the prosecutors in the city they did amend the charge down to a misdemeanor and release him from jail, 
which to me is not, they should drop the fucking case entirely. Yeah. Fuck a misdemeanor. Drop the case and an apology and hope he doesn't sue the shit out of you. That's, that's, oh, and also, so, I think that ship has been sailed probably. Well, yeah. Frankly, <laughs> and Frank, because you know, you know the cops are not going to pay for repairs voluntarily. No. And um, I, I think the reason that they left something on there was so they could use it in whatever lawsuit. Like, they're going to try and, you know, use this as a negative example of this guy's character uh, so the judge won't be quite so sympathetic. Yeah. So the, uh, and at the press conference after the guy got released from jail, he had a black eye, which he said because the cop who arrested him beat the shit out of him. Um, video was released of the incident because the cops, their story keeps changing, but at one point they said the cops swerved to avoid hitting a dog. There was no dog. Um, also he was speeding yeah, and just, ran a red, he was speeding yeah, and just, ran a red light. They just drove straight into the fucking building. Yeah. He, he might, he might've thought there was a dog cause he was fucking drunk, but, um, yeah. what most people suspect he was either drunk or texting and driving. Um, and there is a history with that kind of thing with, with the cops here in the city and probably everywhere else too. Um, and, uh, also it turns out that the, uh, uh, the cop who arrested him and beat the shit out of a guy, it just came out today. Um, uh, pretty controversially beat the shit out of a guy and like broke a bunch of his bones when he arrested him in 2019. So really just the, the most St. Louis cop story imaginable. It's just going to keep getting better and better. Um, like the, 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 the police union has taken the tack that like, well, he definitely did it. They're claiming, still claiming he did assault the officer. And everyone's like, well, why didn't you, why didn't you test the cop to see if he was drunk? That's kind of supposed to be the policy. They're like, well, why didn't we test the other guy for being drunk, huh? Where was his drug test? He assaulted a cop. So, again, this is going about not, how you expect. It's not more illegal to shove a cop while drunk. It is extremely more illegal to drive a cop car while drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he was in his own house when this happened, in his own apartment. Yeah, you were allowed be drunk. to be drunk in there. Yeah. So, the, the cop who crashed the car... He, he's been on the force for less of a year. He's still in his probationary period. They don't seem to understand. You could easily throw this guy under the bus and then pretend like you did something responsible. That's the play. But the yeah. police union here is not taking that tact because, as I've said before, the St. Louis Metro Police Department is a fucking massive organized gang. That is that is what they are. That's how they operate. I'm not saying that hyperbolically. That That is what they are. So, uh, and this is just another further example of that. Otherwise, they would be, you know... Taking a different tact, but so boo to you, St. Louis cops, every day, but especially this week. About maybe your most embarrassing antic yet. Who would you like to put coal in the stocking of? Uh, I'm going to uh, go to Congress for this one. Uh, John Fetterman, coal in your stocking, you fucking, fucking hell. What's yeah. going on with this guy, fucking guy? Guy, the same thing that happens to every progressive that gets into Congress. They get sucked into playing uh, DC ball. Yeah, John Fetterman, the progressive. But, but over uh, this issue, he was doing yeah. so well, too. But the, over the, the fucking the, Israel thing, come on. The supposedly progressive congressman uh, has decided to back the genocide in Gaza, uh, coming down firmly on the side of the truly odious Israeli government. Um. Yeah, it, it just, it really, I was not expecting, and now he's kind of walking back his past progressivism, uh, trying yeah. to... Yeah, he's saying he's not progressive anymore. Like, oh, yeah, I'm, 
I'm I'm just over this. Well, he, he's saying he, he's saying he never was. Like that's that's his whole. He's like, oh, I'm just a Democrat. You know, you got plenty of other Democrats out here. Uh, Colin, all of your stockings as well. Uh, for for doing this. Um, yeah, it, it just. Just a, a massive bag fumble from that big Shrek. A huge waste. I mean, yeah. Sky was the limit for this fucking guy. It was going so well, mm-hmm. but like, there's no who's the constituency now. I mean, he he's no like this. This is a guy who genuinely could have presidential aspirations before this, and now like, who the fuck's gonna? Because before yeah. you you you, you said everybody you're that liked now you, you don't. There's nothing there for you. you. Yeah, yeah. Everybody that liked you before has completely and totally turned on you. What a shame. I think one of one of two things is true. Either he genuinely believes this and the people around him are not stopping him or he was ambivalent and the people around him are telling him to do this. In any event, huge shame on the part of the people around him for not reining yeah. this in because this is a career-ending mistake in my opinion. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's get back to something positive. Um do uh um do you have anybody else who want to put candy in the stocking of? I'll let you go first this time. Uh well, you know what? Frankly, these uh this year and like the basically everything that's happened since twenty twenty, um, the world has kind of been a gigantic uh shit burger for the most part. So uh there there's really not as much positive to find as I would like. So I'm gonna put some candy in the stockings of uh the good people who uh number one, uh grow uh legal marijuana and also the good folks at the jim beam distillery uh Mm -hmm. y'all have been the real mvps these last couple years so uh good on you and uh hope to you know hope to many more years uh having some fun with you guys as i as i suck down my my first eggnog and whiskey um (laughs) i want to put candy in the stocking of uh sarah's nephew alec she has a, a nephew and niece who are who are uh, uh, both very little, and they're both very adorable. Um, Alec is five, um, and her niece Daisy uh, is, I think, two. Um, but they're both very cute, and I got to see them uh, last weekend. And so shout out to both of them, but I wanted to give Alec a special shout out because when I was visiting her family, um, the church that uh, uh, they're involved in, they put on a, uh, like, Christmas pageant. And I don't like going to church, as will be evident by my topic later. But we went to go watch the pageant. um, And it was every, like, bad local theater production you've ever seen. Um, It was not Mm -hmm. overtly religious, which I I did appreciate that. Because last year she took me to a Christmas play that was a very surreal hour and a half of my life. We didn't realize what it was when we went in. There was a lot of, I'll put it this way. There was a lot of the guy playing Joseph, like whining about how weird it felt that his wife was pregnant by God. I'm like, what are we doing here? This is what people base their lives around. But yeah, it it just, so, so they didn't pull Linus on you. That's good. No, no, no. But it was a bunch of mostly kids and teenagers. It, it's it's not you're not going to get good acting out of this, but it was cute. Um, probably the highlight of the whole thing was they brought all the very very small children onto stage. They're like four or five, six from something like that, and they all played sheep. And they had a little song about how they're the sheep. Um, and so they go up there. Both her her niece and nephew are are up there, and they go to do this silly song. And her niece is just having a ball. 
But her nephew gets a touch of stage fright. And they actually do two songs. And for the entirety of both songs, this kid just stands there, stiff as a board, doesn't say shit, doesn't move, just looks straight forward. And it was so funny. Like It, it was the funniest thing of the entire play. That, that there's this very earnest, goofy play, and this kid is just corpsing the entire thing. <laughs> it was so good. Maybe maybe he's the world's tiniest Andy Kaufman, and he was doing that as a bit. <laughs> it was it was a tremendous bit. So so Candy in in his stocking uh, for that for both of them, but for but for him uh, for that reason. Um. So we we got Cole to give out. Um. Who else do you want to put Cole in the stocking of? Um. Yeah. Uh. Let's see, who else do I hate right now? Um. Yeah. So this is something that I wanted to talk about last week, but you weren't here and I kind of wanted to, uh, this isn't so much a Cole as a thing that puzzled me, but you know what? It made me waste half my day thinking about it. So Cole to the owner of this bumper sticker, I was driving behind a car and I saw a bumper sticker. I want you to tell me what you think this means. There is the, the, this is not a car with, uh, like, disability plates on it or anything. <clears throat> right. Nor were there any such symbols on the sticker. Okay. The sticker was just plain black lettering that said, and I quote, please be patient. No. Hmm. No, I will not, thank you very yeah, what, much, because you what, have given me no reason to. Yeah, what, what, what angle what is, are they coming at it from? Yeah, what, what does that mean? You you just intend to drive really slowly, and you're just asking me to accept that? Because if that's yeah. the case, my answer is no. <coughs> I do not accept that. I will not be patient. Drive the I speed mean, limit. If you're driving I mean, the speed limit, then be patient about what? The initial what are you point you're getting to be doing at that you're not. The initial concern you're getting at is a good one, which is that if it's a person with a disability, that is a good reminder. I mean, you should you should have patience for people who are differently able than us. Um, but yeah, I mean, if that's not what it is, then like, what do you mean? Be patient. Be, be patient like, with what? What like are you What are you about to do? A... What thing it's, are you about not... to do that that you're that you're looking for a built-in excuse for? Yeah. What are you trying to not... shift the burden on us for being mad about? Like, you're just priming us to, have... to know that you're about to piss us off. Yeah, it doesn't have a slow-moving vehicle sign on it. It's not like a big-type vehicle that... It doesn't have a make-frequent-stops thing. It, it's not the type of vehicle that would, you know, make frequent stops or have to drive slowly, like a, you know, grain truck or even something like that. It just... You're just a regular-ass car asking me to be patient... Without telling me what you want me to be patient about. Text, yeah. That's that's Context like when free. You, yeah. That's like when you when you tell somebody, I've got something to tell you, but first you have to promise you won't get mad. Yeah, impossible. No. You can't ask someone to do that. No. As Uma Thurman said, you can't ask me mad. to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do not promise I won't get mad. Tell right. me what you tell me what you've done, and then I will decide no. whether or not to get mad. I will take the fact that you don't want me to get mad into consideration. But I make no guarantees. The other possibility is that they're just saying that as like a general axiom. In which case, mind your business. Who asked? <laughs> don't fucking tell me what to do. Like, 
executed as far as getting your message out there because clearly you're not being clear. We, we don't understand the point that you're making because we're sitting here talking about it, trying to figure out what the fuck this could possibly... Anyway, I wasted half a day being distracted thinking about that. So, yeah, colon your stocking, whoever you are. And whatever weirdo shit you're doing. So I've got I've got one more lump of coal to give out, and I'm giving it to uh, the fandom of the University of Oklahoma football. <laughs> um, <laughs> si- transfer portal and signing day, um, <laughs> and like the the coaching carousel, really kind of caused the cream to rise to the top of who the worst football fandoms are. Um, and one of the the absolute elite groups is Oklahoma. Um, and they have proven their worth again, once again this week. What happened was they had a very good freshman offensive lineman named Caden Green. Um, Caden Green entered the transfer portal and it immediately became apparent that there were two schools he was looking at. Caden Green is from the Kansas City area. So he was looking at Mizzou and he was looking at Oregon. Um, so the, the interesting thing with Oregon um, he has a tie, which is that Oregon's head coach, Dan Lanning, is from the Kansas City area and is like dialed into that scene. So he has some connections. But also Oklahoma's quarterback just transferred to Oregon. So the first thing that Oklahoma's fans did was blast and harass and threaten their former quarterback, who is now at Oregon, for claiming he was tampering and trying to bring this offensive lineman with him. Um, Meanwhile, like the insider boards I read are like, no, it's genuinely both schools have a chance. There was no tampering. In fact, if anything, Mizzou probably has a leg up because like that's closer to home and their program's looking pretty good right now. So he visited both schools. Um, He wound up committing to Mizzou and I don't know, made a comment that was complimentary of Mizzou's coach in a way that Oklahoma felt slighted their coach. And their response to this is they found out that this player's father has an insurance agency in the Kansas City area and are now bombing its Google reviews with one star uh, to try and ruin his business. <laughs> um, they think that yeah. is a rational response to a player transferring to Mizzou. You people um, Michigan? Jesus. Fucking maniacs. Yeah, I was asking who's like the elite tier of shitty, like just wretched college football fan bases Consistently, I think it's Oklahoma, Florida State, even though they have some sympathy points right now, and Texas A&M. Michigan is in the, the elite tier right now. I, I consider them usually more fringe, one or two, but they're up there. Um, but Oklahoma, consistently just completely insane. Tennessee is maybe the most insane, but they're so insane that it's funny. They're like yeah. conspiracy theorists. Anytime anything bad happens to Tennessee, they think that the, the SEC headquarters is behind it. It's really fun. Um, but Oklahoma fans, you gotta fucking relax, man. It's just a game. I'm sorry. Like, it's, it's Uh, not like it's the NFL and this kid's going to be playing there for the next 10 years anyway. Oh, he's going to be there for two more years, most likely. Yeah. Right. So that's, uh, so that's our candy and coal segment. And, uh, um, you know, Christmas is a time for, for loving and for, uh, for forgiveness and for mercy, but also a time for grievances, as we know, so, um, and for petty revenge. So there's some for, for uh, 
the four the four entities that we've mentioned. I dispute the forgiveness and mercy parts of those things. Uh, that that's just behavior I don't engage in uh, generally to begin with. But mm. yeah, the the airing of grievances uh, is why Festivus is a a wonderful holiday. That's so correct. That, that was yeah. our little that was our little Festivus celebration there. Okay, well, as much as we would love to uh, air our, our uh, petty complaints, and we genuinely would for uh, yeah. the next however long, that's there not why we're here. That. Yeah, there will be. You're right. Um, and you're going to find out why here in a second. Because um, we have a theme episode for you all this week. Uh, we haven't done one of these in a while. Um, so, there, well, there's no easy way to say this, but it's Priest Week. And here's a guy. We have uh, two yes, stories nice. of <laughs> we have two stories of priests um, with some eccentricities that are are not the ones you may think of, but may or not may not be much better. <laughs> um, we'll find out. So, uh, Cody, could you help me out, please? I guess since Jack John's not here, it falls upon me. Okay. Uh, yeah. See, do I, I I remember it. I remember it. It's uh the guys. Well, you have our our first priest, uh, for this episode. So, go ahead and take take it away. Who's your priest? So we are in the way way back machine tonight. Uh, since it is the season for obnoxious evangelicals reminding you that. Actually, the reason for all this celebration is more Jesus stuff, because we don't have nearly enough of that shit the rest of the year. Uh, I thought we'd get into that old-time religion here tonight. Tonight, we discuss Arius, an early Christian thinker whose somewhat offbeat ideas got him in hot water with the mainstream Christians of the era. A very, very easy thing to do. Was, was he a maverick, would you say? would consider him a maverick um okay at, at least indeed if not necessarily spirit was, but, uh, was he more or less of a maverick than dirk Nowitzki? um you know uh dirk had a better jump shot but uh arius had better handles so i'm gonna say that i see uh, I, i'm gonna say that arius while not nearly as big a score <laughs> his assist totals alone uh make him more of a maverick so i see Arius was born in uh, what is now Libya under the Roman Empire at that point in time, around 256 AD. So we are way, way, way back there. His early life is kind of muddy, uh, as the concept of records hadn't really been invented yet, at least not for normal people. Um, Arius was, you refer to him as a priest, and that's basically true. He was what was known as a presbyter, uh, ah. which is just kind of an elder, you know, it, kind of like a deacon, but also some priest-type duties in the early Christian church. And he devoted his life to theology and his theories on the nature of God. Does anyone know why Presbyterian University's sports mascot is the Blue Hose? Um, or does just nobody want to ask? I certainly don't. I, I certainly don't, and I just, <clears throat> I, I really, I think it's funnier that I don't know. It doesn't matter, ultimately, is the point. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Arius was so devoted that he subscribed to a philosophy known as asceticism. 
in which one forsakes all material and physical pleasures and instead commits fully to pursuing spiritual enlightenment. That sounds like the worst goddamn thing I can possibly imagine. Dude, like, and there's going to be plenty more of this in my topic, but religion is so fucking nerdy. Like, like, can we, can we all just, just be upfront with this? There's nothing nerdier than religion. Yeah. This is some dork shit. Yeah. And it, it, it's got some other kind of unusual, uh, cultural ties. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more in the segment. Um, Arius did a fair amount of writing, but we only have a few of his actual theological writings that survived, and even those are are incomplete. Furthermore, what we do have was mostly disseminated by his numerous enemies within the Christian church, so we're not entirely sure what the original text on most of this was. Okay. All we have is, you know, accounts that were handed down, uh, so we've got kind of a reasonable approximation of of what his whole deal was. Here's what you need to know about organized religion. Many aspects of it are not unlike Greek what a, life. What a, what a fucking lead-in. <laughs> yeah. Many aspects of it are not unlike Greek life at your average college. It's very clicky. Everything's very petty. It's all about making sure everyone thinks your group is the coolest. And also it's rife with racism, classism, and sexual assault. So also a suspicious amount of money tangled up in it, too. Yeah. From, from donors that are a, a little bit shady in many cases. Mm-hmm. And if you go ag- against the grain, people get mad. Um, Arius was one of the people who was willing to posit some unusual and different ideas, and predictably people reacted to these ideas by shrieking and clutching their pearls instead of actually considering what was being said and engaging with the argument. Now, go ahead. Good, good to know things have changed, though. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, yeah, if you think I was speaking in the past tense about any of this, uh, you are incorrect. <laughs> things have not changed, really, at all, as far as how these people operate. Now, not to brag... But I actually have some training in how to parse complex theological and philosophical writings and theory. That is one of the things I studied in college. But I'm pretty sure most of you don't, because who fucking cares? <laughs> you want to so talk I, nerd I, shit? I obviously, that's, high, that's high level nerd shit. I obviously graduated law school, which is applying a lot of the same logic to just bullshit. So. I, I have a, a, a I love that you t- make a I, distinction. <laughs> I have a tainted understanding of the things you're talking about as well as the way I'd put it. Mm-hmm. I would also like to point out that this is basically the first time since I graduated that this skill has come in handy for anything. Um, that that well, is nobody nobody can degree. say it was a waste, you know. That's true. That is part of my degree. I very nearly wound up using, but. Uh, don't in my professional life. So as such, I will try and explain Arianism as simply as possible. That is the school of thought that Arius developed. Yes, that is a very unfortunate name. Yeah, I was going to ask what, uh, they were like, is that the thing we should be concerned about? (laughs) No, no, no. So, um, 
many of us who grew up in Jesus country are familiar with the Godhead theory as it exists in mainstream Christianity. You have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're all considered part of the same entity. They exist beyond time and space. They are basically just different sections of God. They're all on the exact... There's no hierarchy among them, really. They're all considered equally divine, and they're, they're all the same thing, essentially. Mm-hmm. So the main point that Arius got hung up on here was the idea that Jesus, the Son in this equation, while created with divine power by God the Father and therefore divine itself was not actually a part of a trinity that have all since ex- uh, existed since before time and are on the same wavelength, but rather something God created later in time after the universe had already been created. What this means is that the Son is somewhat lesser in the equation than the Father. His reasoning for this seems to be the fact that logically a Father comes before a Son and the fact that most revealed texts characterize them as such means that there must be some element of this in their actual relationship to one. Again, who fucking cares? I, I, I'm telling you, this is dork shit. Yeah. The, the, it, these, guys, is... these guys needed forums so that they could just hash all this shit out on there and this not for bother everybody else with it. This is for people who would really enjoy D&D but need to believe it's real. <laughs> Like um, to to think that to think that that the answers to all creation come down to these these little quibbles in language. Can you imagine? It's very living your life that way. <laughs> and again, quibbling over shit that makes no difference to anyone in the real world. Time honored religious tradition that still exists to this day. Um. So mainstream uh, church officials engaged in another such tradition, which is shitting bricks over nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. As soon as this theory started to get some traction, they lost their damn minds. This is heresy. I I can't believe that people are buying into this. I I refuse to allow people to believe this. Arius actually attracted a fair number of followers, some actually working clergy within the church. This kicked off what was referred to as the Aryan Controversy. Again, terribly, terribly unfortunate name. For fuck's sake. Aryan Controversy, I think, you know. You know what I'm thinking of. So Aryan Controversy, was that when, um, uh, when the Texans were deciding who to start at running back between Aryan Foster and, uh... Oh, fuck, I can't remember who any of his backups were. <laughs> fuck. I wish I prepared for that one. I'll edit it in. Uh, Don't worry. I'll find some. Uh-huh. We'll get it in post. Um, so this Aryan controversy, I don't even like saying it. Um, this would last for the next century or so, as various scholars argued about this view of the Godhead and its merits. Mm-hmm. During Arius's lifetime, his opponents characterized him as an insane, immoral piece of shit. Okay. Um, Look, we've all people, been there. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm not even going to dispute that. Um, Despite the fact that uh, most people who knew him described him as a soft-spoken, humble, and gentle dude who just happened to have some kind of different ideas. There. You see what you people did? 
You made me side with a religious wingnut. That's how fucked up these old-timey Christians were. This guy is the one I'm defending. I think everything he's saying is totally loopy, and I'm hitting her taking his side. I will spare you all the details of the various documented squabbles about this. Because if I did, what would happen would be like an airplane where Ted Stryker is telling people his life story to various people on the plane, and they all just wind up killing themselves out of pure boredom. <laughs> That's what would happen to our audience if I tried to get into this any deeper than the sure. absolute surface. I appreciate that. <clears throat> yeah. So the, the Bishop of Alexandria actually went so far as to exile this guy. Damn. Yeah. I, again, these people were crazy. All of them batshit crazy. They were so obsessed with this ridiculous bullshit that means nothing. And I've never been exiled, but it sounds like it would suck. You got to start yeah. over. You don't know anybody. You got that stink about you. They don't really that do recently that exiled smell. They no. don't really do, yeah, they don't really do that anymore. Do Maybe that's something we should start doing again as a punishment. Instead of prison, just like, here, you live in, like, Belgium now. Good luck. Yeah. So, eventually the Diocese of the Christian Church uh, held a massive council attended by the Pope, various church elders, officials, theologians, including some who supported uh, Arius's views, Many, many who did not. Arius himself was actually in attendance. And the debate between him and one of his opponents got so heated that a fistfight actually broke out. At okay. This is just Trekkies and Star Wars nerds fighting. Church League softball fistfight. <laughs> R.I.P. Tim Wilson. Uh, yeah, so... He's dead? I didn't know that. Yeah, he... Died a while ago. Oh. Um, so, it, I mean, he wasn't a great dude, but that song. No, was he was a pretty bad guy. He just, that yeah. one particular song's pretty funny. Yep. Um, at this point, I'm just going, guys, it's ancient times. You got better shit to worry about. Yeah. Maybe if yeah, you like, spent like... your time. Like, all of human history up until, like, a hundred years ago was trying to figure out how to not diarrhea yourself to death. You'd spent your time coming up with cool shit like video games and monster trucks, the world would be a better place today. Eventually, the council decided against Arius and adopted what was called the Nicene Creed, uh, which is an official declaration outlining the basics of what mainstream Christianity was and what the Christian church as a whole believes. Okay. <clears throat> so, eventually the emperor allowed Arius and some of his supporters to return home from exile. Provided he agreed to just cool it with the Jesus isn't God stuff, at least in public. Yeah. Arius, however, would not be home long before disaster struck. Okay. One day, in the city of Constantinople, Arius suffered some gastric distress. Wait a second. And by that I mean he started shitting uncontrollably. Wait, I was just kidding. No! 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 No, don't do this! No! I didn't mean it! 
interestingly enough, those were Arius's last words. Um, yeah, his his explosive <laughs> defecation would eventually devolve into blood and possibly parts of his intestines and other organs exiting through the back, so to speak. He actually diarrheaed himself to death? I was just fucking around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally, Fuck. exactly. I couldn't believe when you said that. Like, that is exactly what happened. <laughs> You've heard of an upset stomach. This was an enraged stomach. God this damn. This is a stomach that is not going to take it anymore. Was, was he yeah. just like, he was just like going about his day? He was just happening. like out in the marketplace. Yeah, this happened in public. Jesus, fuck. Like, he's just out among the people and then suddenly... And then suddenly this happened. Is that just a thing that can happen to people? Imagine if you saw that, like, if you were out at Walgreens or something. <coughs> That's... Like, you're just no, out we were wrong before. This, some guy... This is why Jack John's not here this week. This... Imagine you're out just in public somewhere and someone just starts uncontrollably shitting everywhere. What do you even do? I mean, I guess yeah, call like, an like ambulance, the, but, but short of that... Like, do you, you, you can't offer to help. Help with what? What, yeah. do you, what can you do? You got a cork you in your pocket or something? You, like, can't, you can't reason with a butthole. They're not no, to be reasoned you with. Can't. Uh... I regret getting that tattoo, let me tell you. Anyway, um, yeah, so obviously he died. Um, because he... <laughs> yeah. He, he shit the inside of his body out. Yeah. He basically, he turned himself inside out. God damn. Um, some theorized that this was the result of poisoning by church officials and his other enemies. That could do it. These enemies said that it was the hand of God punishing him for his heresy. A less popular theory is that he ate 13 quesarritos. Hey, <laughs> um, yeah, I like quesarritos. That's twice we've called back to that joke in two weeks. So I think we need to add that to the bingo card. Someone mentions quesarritos. They're becoming See, a, what's a side weird, character. What's weird is that it hadn't happened in almost 50 episodes, and then suddenly back-to-back -back weeks... Here it is. I don't know. I don't know what's going on anymore. But whatever no. the nature of this explosion of the colon, the controversy surrounding these ideas would rage on for decades to come. Eventually, Arius' views would kind of die out, and the mainstream church would win the battle. Arius' ideas may have been controversial, but he secured his place in theological history and guy history alike, and for that, he is to be congratulated, I guess. I guess. Doesn't really, <laughs> doesn't really feel like you won anything here, dude, but, you know, we're still talking about you. I guess, I guess that's something. Yeah, I don't know what you say about that. I don't know what the proper... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the proper response to something like that is. What's the accolade you get? I have no idea. My big question tonight, if God was going to kill you as an act of divine retribution, how would he do it and why? Why is he, why is he killing you? 
I mean, it's hard to even pick among the many reasons yeah. why. I think I'm, I'm I'm so brazen with the way I live my life and how proudly, you know, not believing in him and <laughs> shit like that. Um, you know, I'm I'm very brazen with my with my dark hair and and uh, you know my my bold ways. I think I'm, my hair is just gonna start growing and growing and growing and growing and growing more and more until one day I I uh, my hair my chest hair grows up over my mouth and I suffocate myself. <laughs> A bad, a tough Samson. way to, a tough way to go, but a sexy way to go. I suppose. Um. So for me, yeah, the reason is just going to be everything I've ever done. Yeah. <clears throat> like, yeah, sinning. It, sinning is just kind of what I do. You know, there's there's almost nothing that I enjoy that that the Christians look upon favorably. So, um. Yeah, it's just going to be kind of generally what I've done. And how it's going to happen is I'm going to be on one of the many wonderful brewery tours that the city of St. Louis offers. And um, I am going to uh, get a little too, you know, I'm going to be clowning around being a being a big doofus, you know, the way that, you know, Christians don't approve of uh, anything that gets you noticed in public. Um, and I'm going to be, like, leaning over, pretending I'm going to drink out of one of the vats, and then I'm just going to fall straight in, and I'm going to drown in beer. <laughs> um, and that's, that's, that's how I go. Uh, and I'm just going to hear in my, uh, my head God's voice going, you like it so much, drink a little more. <laughs> um, here you go, this is what you wanted, isn't it? wonder if that's ever happened. That feels like a Darwin Awards kind of thing. Surely it has. I think someone's drowned Surely in a vat of caramel, but I'm not sure about beer. I wonder if they sold that as like a small batch special edition for like 50 <laughs> bucks a bottle. <laughs> it's their Halloween special. This is our famous corpse ale. <laughs> Ugh. Yuck. What was the fucking, what was the guy who talked about a mayhem, mayhem month? Who like fell in love with the corpse? He'd probably like that. Oh, uh, Carl Tanzler, yeah. Um, Yuck. Yuck to everything about that. So our yeah our we've got uh, it, it's nice hoppy uh, hoppy bright flavor. Uh, its adjuncts are vanilla, uh, cinnamon, and uh, Steve. <laughs> it's a bit funky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was well, uh, that was certainly something. Yeah. That was certainly something. I, I Quite... love <laughs> I love how that story progressed because. It's a bunch of very dry theological bullshit, and then at the end, a guy shits guy himself, shits to death. himself to death. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's out, a of, we've had out some... of absolute nowhere. <laughs> we've had some great uh, rug pulls, and here's a guy history, and that's right up there with him. Um, it's like I, I wish I could remember the name of the topic Jack John had. Where's the old guy who invented like the uh, the motorcycle? And when he went to debut, it just fucking crashed and died. Or, like, like that's one where you could kind of see coming the reveal, but it was still really funny. This is the opposite. Like, nowhere in a million years would you have guessed that that one's, that's where oh. that one's going to go. It's got nothing to do with anything else that happens. Yeah, it just, it yeah, just yeah. happened. A, a total non sequitur. Good stuff, and a good start to Priest Week. Um, so let's get to part two. I'm up second. And my priest is Father Don Juan Ugarte, which I will admit is a kick-ass name. Great name. 
Um, Sounds like he should be Zoro's sacred identity. Yeah. But it's all downhill from there. This is the last time in the story that you will feel any affection for Father Don Juan Ugarte. Father Don Um, Juan does not fill me with confidence. (laughs) You should not be a sexy priest in any, any sense of the word. So Christmas is a time of year where we celebrate peace on earth and goodwill towards men. The spirit of Christmas, as it were, is being charitable, kind, and forgiving, which are all good attributes. Uh, To that end, even though the modern conception of Christmas is largely secular, it is at least ostensibly a Christian holiday. Um, Around Christmas, churches often have lots of charity drives and things like that, which is good. So people love the holidays so much that I think it's fair to say Christmas is the season where where Christianity gets its best PR of the year. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and and not just PR in the sense of, oh, there's this thing that everyone likes and we are connected with it. PR as in everybody who's really into Christianity is all up in arms. <laughs> Fox News every fucking season, every Christmas season has some big thing about oh, here's how they're trying to take Christianity out of Christmas entirely now, and they're trying to force you into being an atheist. (coughs) Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, This topic this week, and if you listen to really any episode of Here's a Guy Before This, or even just this last segment, um, this isn't going to be a a surprise. But this is not going to be a pitch to keep Christ in Christmas. Um, In fact, it's, it's maybe the opposite. Um, because my guy this week, it's way more fun that way. My guy this week, Father Don Juan Ugarte, he really fucked up bad, even by the usual priest standards. And you let you all say it with me. Think about the ground that that covers. The ground that that covers, yes. Yeah. So to start with, there's going to be some uh, religious lore in this story that's over my head, and uh, much like you, Cody, I'm not going to bother giving a primer on all of it because I really don't give a shit. And that's kind of that's actually that's kind of the point. That's kind of the point in this story. Like when you consider the real life terrible thing that happens, even humoring the lore here that it's important enough to matter is is wildly inappropriate in my opinion. But you'll see what I mean. For this story, we head to Santiago, Chile in the year 1863. The particular church involved is the Church of the Society of Jesus, also known as the Church of the Company, a Catholic church nestled in downtown Santiago. Uh, and our, our guy, Father the... Don... Go ahead. I thought the Church of the Company was just the U.S. government. <laughs> it's like it's like company script, but it's religion. Like <laughs> This is the religion that you're allowed to have. Um. Yeah. Our guy, Father Don Juan Hugarte, was the he was the the priest of this church at the time. So I myself have never been Catholic, but I've lived in St. Louis for eight and a half years, so I at least have developed a passing understanding of it. Um, best as I can tell, Catholicism is the nerdiest variety of Christianity. Um, it's all about the this very version of Christianity. Yeah. Yes, it, it's all about this very rich lore and and strange rituals and extravagant pageantry. And that's probably why it seems like more people are kind of being brought into it. I, I theorize there's this human, maybe not need, but this strong desire to nerd out about something. Which is why I really think it, it's good for people to like play D&D or like 
you know, get into Lord of the Rings, something that you know is not books. attached to reality. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really there has been kind of an uptick in, you know, particularly people going tradcath, you know, not not your liberal Catholicism, like they're going straight back to fucking Torquemada and the Inquisition. Yeah. Right, right. Um and it's such an odd job. You know, it's weird we characterize Catholicism that way and I think it's accurate. It's odd that they seem to have such a big problem with drag queens in that community. Because it see it seems like those Shit two is. things Yeah. It I, I it seems like it seems like those two things mesh very well. It's really the same stuff that you're into. One's just a little sassier than the other. That's what's so fun about the band Ghost is that it <laughs> it's really not that much different than what it really is. No. It, it's parody it is the parody of it is it's kind of just doing the real thing, you know? <laughs> but anyway. Um that's all fun and good. I mean, if you if you want to just get involved in some lore and nerd out about something, that's fine. But the problem is that on the other end of it, like they also have a, a lot of pretty heinous social beliefs, and the church structure has covered up a pretty massive scale of abuse. Uh, and they also make its members feel like horrible people if they don't go along with all of it. And uh, uh, usually, to understand, they do really understand that. Talk to Catholic friends. Talk to an yeah. ex-Catholic if you really want to understand that. That's a bit yeah. bigger indictment, I think. Um. This particular church was Jesuit Catholic, which is at least more admirable because the Jesuits take their belief in charity and concern for poor people quite seriously. That's, that's sort of their whole thing. Um, but as we'll see, the problem is that at the end of the day, they will still choose the rituals and iconography of the church above the people involved if it really comes down to it. So the date is December 8th, 1863. It's the celebration of the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Again, there's a whole lore and like e and like history of Eastern Catholicism about why this is important. I don't care. Um, just know that this is a big event in this church. All you, that's all you need to know. It was a highly popular. Up, we eat a bunch of food. There you go. Sure, but th this was a highly popular festivity with a huge mass at the Church of the Company in Santiago, one of their biggest events of the year. The church was adorned with an extravagant display of candles, tapestries, and wall decorations. At the main altar stood a big statue of the Virgin Mary over a candelabra in the shape of a half moon. The mass was highly attended with members of the public packing the temple to the gills. So, Cody, do you maybe have an idea of, of where this is going already? My suspicions, but I'm going to keep them to myself <clears throat> for now. Yeah. Well, at a certain point in the Mass, a candle is knocked over. The candle was unfortunately situated close to the veils that had been placed on the walls of the church. Oh, a, no. a veil ignited, and the fire rapidly spread throughout the church as worshippers struggled to escape. When all was said oh, and Mary, done with full the... Full of grace, get me the fuck out of this place, yeah. When all was said and done... The church of the company burned to the ground, and more than 2,500 people were dead. Almost as many as the 9-11 terrorist attacks. That's how bad this was. So when you something... How do, you be, how do you still be a priest <laughs> after that? How, how do you just look at... Oh. How do you not just look at all of it and go, Nah, you know what? Now I know you're full of shit. Well, well let's, let's circle back to that idea. Um, 
when something this tragic occurs so suddenly, the first big question you have to ask, what the fuck happened? The and answer it like is... It sounds like their approach to fire safety was non-existent, is what happened. That's the, the crux of it. You're correct about that. <laughs> um, but the answer is a deadly cocktail of bad luck, predictable design flaw, irresponsibility, and a dash of religious devotion so zealous that it crosses over into being downright evil. So we'll start with the design flaw. By all accounts, the church of the company was a beautiful piece of architecture. I mean, most Catholic churches are. I will readily admit that. Catholic yeah, churches are great. gorgeous. Yeah. That's that's part of the that's part of the whole tapestry of the yeah. thing and all the lore and the pageantry. The problem was that whatever numbnuts installed the doors installed them to open inwards. Um one of the several reasons you don't want this in a church, especially back then when door lock technology wasn't what it is today is that you risk some outside force opening the door accidentally. In this case, on December 8th, uh, December 8th, 1863 was a rather blustery evening, and a gust of wind blew open the door and knocked over the candle, which had been irresponsibly placed too close to the veils. That's how the fire started. Now, unfortunately, it's just human nature that when a fire ignites in a crowded room, people often aren't going to react rationally. Like the I fight flight... I believe the Supreme Court had a, a similar opinion, yes. Yeah. Their fight-or-flight instinct kicks in, and they panic. So one person near the front sprung into action and tried to smother the fire with another large cloth. There are situations where this can work, but this was not one of them, and it only caused the fire to spread faster. I think probably well, because the, the fire is going up. The, the, the line yeah. between The line between smothering a fire with a blanket and fanning the flames is very thin when, when it's something going up the wall. I suspect that's probably what happened. The huge crowd then panics and all try to flee at once. Now, some of the crowd was able to get out quite easily. See, at the church of the company, as is custom, the men and women of the congregation were seated separately with their sections divided by this big, tall iron grating. The men were mostly able to run out the doors on their side easily, which had been the ones blown open. So the men make it outside and quickly realize that not many of the women are making it out of here. The women's side of the congregation had a couple huge problems. The doors most accessible to the women were these side doors. These doors also open inwards, so in an effort to fit more people into the temple for the festivities, these assholes who ran the church of the company had forced the side doors shut for the evening. Oh, Christ. And see, shit like this is, is the reason why we have fire codes, because that's like two no-nos right there, is yeah. forcing an exit close and also fitting more people into this already crowded building. Like, though, that's like one and two on the fire code. You don't do that. So the women's main escape route was blocked off, and the fact that the doors were designed to open inwards in the first place made it even harder to force them open. But they had another problem. Now, don't laugh at this next part. This isn't funny. But I'm just saying, the other problem was that the style for women in Chile in 1863 was massive hoop skirts. Oh, no. So as you can imagine, because if you don't know what a hoop skirt is, it's this huge, wide skirt, but like 
you're wearing something under it that like like an iron it's not cage, pl- yeah. It's not pliable. It, it's forced out. That's how they stay that way. So these wide, rigid skirts made space within the crowd even harder to come by and made it damn near impossible to maneuver around each other. The next tragic element was that when the men who had escaped realized that the women were trapped, most of them ran back into the building to try and rescue them. Um, Go unblock that side door. And it, it's it's honorable and understandable that they would do this, and that's probably what they were trying to do, but it was such a clusterfuck already, and the fire was spreading so rapidly, very few could be rescued, and most of these men were simply running to their own demise. As the fire spread and panic grew even further, the tragically inevitable happens. The massive bodies all starts to fall over each other, making it nearly impossible for anyone to escape. Because in, in any tragic event, whether it's a fire or anything else, like trampling is, is like one of the most horrifying things in, in human existence. Um, just like the massive bodies, people cannot get, get away from each yeah. other. Um, so... Frankly, by this point, the people getting trampled to death were were the lucky ones, considering what was coming. Um, At 10 p.m., three hours after the blaze began, the main tower of the church collapsed inwards, killing anyone left uh, alive in the building. So, like, this is fucking horrible. This has to be one of the most horrific tragedies of modern humanity that most of us have never even heard of. As far as we know, the death count of the Church of the Company fire remains the highest of any accidental building fire of all time. But a couple lingering questions remain. One, was there really no back way out of this church? Two, what became of Father Don Juan Ugarte and the other clergymen present that night? Well, I take no pleasure reporting this, but the answers to those questions are directly related to each other. I get angry, aren't I? Yes, you you are going to get angry. Now, when I say that, you, Cody, and everybody else, you may all think that what I mean is that the father and his colleagues fled out a back door and left everyone else to burn to death, right? Is that probably what you're thinking? Along those lines. Well, rest assured, that's not what happened. The reality is actually several times more evil than that. See, there was a way back, uh, a back way out of the church. It was through the sacristy. So when the fire ignited, Father Ugarte and the other priests ran straight into the sacristy. Several people saw them do this and managed to escape by following them into the sacristy and then going out the back door. You would think that for holy men who are, you know, supposed to value human life and the, the lives of their parishioners, that this would be a good thing. Like, a bunch of people just just saw you go out this back way. They're going to follow suit. There's another escape route. However, this posed a problem in the priest's eyes. The priests hadn't rushed into the sacristy to escape. They rushed into the sacristy because that's where all the church's valuables and relics were kept. They felt it to be of the utmost importance to save all the valuables, and the presence of a bunch of people running through the room would disturb their ability to do so. So, what did these men of God do? They barricaded the door to the sacristy shut and set to work gathering up all the valuables and relics. So, yeah. <laughs> let, yeah, let me just let, I'm angry. Let me just say, I've known Cody literally my whole life. 
And for him to get so mad that he doesn't even have any commentary is, is a rare, rare thing. So you're witnessing an elite-level Cody Pistol. I, I'm, I'm afraid if I let it go, I'm going to say something that is going to get me in trouble, and also I won't be able to stop. And, you know, part of it is... It's hard to comment on because this is just so just blatantly awful. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is just a horrible, horrible thing to do. Yeah. There's almost it, nothing to be said. What no. What could I add to this? It's, it's on its face. What, how could this... Yeah, how how could this possibly sound worse than you just explaining what happened? It's on. I think it's my on its work face. Is done. It was only after they secured all the relics that they then fled out the back and left everyone to burn to death. The motherfuckers didn't even unbarricade the sacristy door on the way out. They just <laughs> left it shut for like no reason. So th this like, is my well point. See ya. It's it's of the utmost importance that I survive. Uh, you all sucks to suck. Uh, your 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 sacrifice will be rewarded in heaven, very very shortly. So uh, yeah, see you motherfuckers on the other side. And hold that thought, Cody. Um, but this is my point. These are Jesuit priests, the priests who value human life. Typically more than, like, other priests. And yet, when it came down to it, when it came down to saving the valuable relics of the church versus saving the people within their church, they didn't even think twice about it. Like, they, they followed with the iconography and the relics at the expense of countless human life. And that's my fucking problem at the end of the day. Like, whatever good they do, this is what it always comes back to. Great if we could save all those people, but I need my uh, I need my Groucho glasses and my uh, dashboard fuzzy dice and uh, you know those little head bobbing dogs that you put on your you know you know all that stuff <laughs> the that's solar gotta, powered ones yeah yeah that's gotta yeah it, it's I, I gotta save my tchotchkes my, gotta, my I've gotta, have to make it out of here I've got a Furby in there um. <laughs> a Tamagotchi from nineteen ninety eight. If you have any ideas what you think was in the sacristy that the people died over, send them to here's a, here's a mailbox at gmail.com. Um, I love inviting our audience to riff with us. <laughs> the immediate aftermath of the Church of the Company fire was almost as horrible as the fire itself. Um, it took days to clean up all the dead bodies, and most of the corpses were charred beyond recognition and had to be buried in a mass grave. The city was Assuming shocked at the scale like of the tragedy. I'm assuming this is, like, in the city. So they're just yanking these bodies yeah. out in full view of, like, hundreds It's, like, of in people. downtown, yeah. The city was shocked at the scale of the tragedy. Uh, Santiago had a population of about 100,000 at the time, meaning that two or three out of every 100 residents died in this fire. Um, entire families were, like, just gone. The horror only grew when it was determined that most of the victims were women and young girls. <clears throat> word then eventually got out about what Father Ugarte and the other priests had done. So Stani Santiago... Yeah, I'm guessing, what, I'm guessing yeah. those other people that went out through the sacristy were probably not looking too favorably upon that. No. 
Santiago was and still is a deeply Catholic South American city. Priests are held in a very high regard. For the public to turn on a priest takes something pretty remarkable. But remarkable this was. The public was furious. So, like, yeah, people likely would have died anyway, but indisputably, Father Ugarte had placed inanimate objects over the lives of his parishioners, not to mention the irresponsible nature of the big crowd and all the candles and all that shit, too. The public rightfully saw this as blood on Father Ugarte's hands. Frankly, there, there wasn't much Father Ugarte could have said that would have helped him here. But even still, I would posit that the last thing that you want to do here, if you're, if you're Father Ugarte, just from a PR perspective, is double down. But that apparently is not Father Ugarte's style. You're over a barrel here because what it almost doesn't matter like that's almost one of those things that's so horrible you almost have to double because like what do you even if you admit oh yeah that was a shit thing to do and we shouldn't have done it that's not gonna make people less mad a fair point but let's 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 revisit that after you find out what he says because (laughs) When questioned about so many women and girls dying in the fire, <clears throat> Father Ugarte explained that, after all, this was a celebration of the Immaculate Conception, and the deaths of the thousands of women and girls was the Virgin Mary needing to take them without delay to her bosom. Fuck this motherfucker. Maybe more than any other person in the history of this show. Fuck this motherfucker. One of the absolute worst. Complete. I mean, that, yeah. that's, some, <clears throat> that's Scrooge saying if they want to die, they better do it and decrease the surplus population. This guy, this this guy almost sounds fictional. This guy almost sounds fictional how evil yeah. he is. He's like did, the fucking... Did this guy have a tweedly mustache and a little pointy beard and a couple of horns and a tail? <clears throat> I want to... Here's a prompt for our listeners. Who, who would win in an evil priest-off? Father Don Juan Ugarte or the priest from season three of Peaky Blinders? Um, again, even the deeply Catholic population of Santiago found his comments shockingly inappropriate. Um, and in response, a local newspaper published one of the most damning takedowns that I've ever seen in the media. It's so good. In an edition of the paper commemorating the loss of life in the Church of the Company fire, what they did was they simply published two lists next to each other. The first, the over 2,000 names of all known victims of the fire. The second, the objects saved from the fire by the priests and their monetary value. Oh, God. A takedown... Literal receipts. Yeah. A takedown that perfectly and, succinct, and succinctly lays bare the shame and selfishness of their actions in the public record forever. Because that is what That's, people remember about this. feels so good when you work in media and you can take somebody down this hard without even writing an actual sentence. Yeah. Yeah. You just put like, two things next to each other and yeah. let them speak for themselves. That's what I was thinking. Because everybody loves like a good verbose like, quip, repartee, takedown. 
but sometimes this is just all it takes. If they added words to this, it just would have cheapened it. It's fucking perfect. Perfect. So there's nothing really out there about what became of Father Don Juan Ugarte other than his reputation being ruined. And frankly, I don't care, because like, there's nothing that could have happened to this guy. Let's see, I, when I wrote this, I was thinking nothing could have happened to this guy that would be worth it. But what happened to your guy earlier, maybe he would have been a fitting end. Or what they did to the uh, to that that poor uh, uh, amateur soccer referee in Brazil in that episode of Ways Back, that might have been I fitting. This was headed was that yeah they were gonna like kill and eat him or something something else horrendous. No, we don't get that happy of an ending. I guess it could have happened, but you think there'd be something out there about it? We just don't know. Um, it's priest, try a little priest. To this day, uh, at the side of the church of the company, the ruins, um, there's a memorial garden and a statue commemorating it. There is no such statue of Father Don Juan Ugarte in Santiago, presumably because it would quickly become a public toilet. Um, just make one for him and it's just a giant human penis. Yeah. So there you go, just, everybody. Mary. <laughs> Merry fucking Christmas. That's what I have to say about all that. And, th and this is our pitch. As you said up top, for all the reasons stated in this story, uh, here's my official, here's a guy pitch, keep Christ out of Christmas. No more Christ. We keep have a good Christ thing going. everything, yeah. We don't, we don't, we have a good thing going. We don't need to, to reincorporate shit like this, because look at how many people died. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a fucking bummer, so uh, my big question is, is changing the subject and a bit of a palate cleanser. Um, what is a... a fun or happy uh, Christmas story that sticks out to you from your past? So, for me, uh, the Christmas that I, as far as, like, just really lighthearted stuff, the, the moment that, or the moments that I remember, um, this is, I think, I would have been in, like, junior high, maybe, but we had, for that Christmas, some of our family from out of town visiting on our dad's side. Yeah. These people had lived in Arizona for most of their lives. Uh -huh. So they had hardly ever, I think they had seen snow before, but not nearly like, like in the mountains. Never, yeah. Yeah. But, and had That's never they really said. spent this much time around it. Um, so watching them get to experience, cause it was a very much a white Christmas. It, it was, perfect. Oh yeah. There's yeah. about two inches of snow on the ground, <clears throat> you know, it, everything's still very dry. Right. Yeah. And it was snowing. It was snowing. It was snowing while water. they were there. They hadn't really ever seen snow falling like that before. Yeah. So, yeah, it was perfect for the sledding and snowball fights and, you know, building snowmen. Uh, in our case, building offensive snowmen. Yeah, um, there was some of that, yeah. <laughs> so, we, we read a lot of Calvin and Hobbes growing up. This, yeah, this, we, we this drew happens. some inspiration from, yeah. So, uh, getting to see uh, our aunt and uncle, of course, our uncle is from here originally, so he was familiar, but our uh, aunt and cousins experienced that, uh, something they had never done before. That was really cool, and that's uh, something that will always stand out. I remember really enjoying that. Yeah, they, they came and visited again a few years ago, and it didn't snow, but it was very, it was right before Christmas, and it was very cold, and uh, this time they, they brought their, their husbands with them, because they they're all, all uh, uh, married now. And we got to introduce all of them to uh, one of our favorite uh, Midwestern cold winter traditions, which is just keeping all the beer out on the porch and just yep. go grabbing one. Um, mm -hmm. And a fun time was had by all. Um, yeah. 
one that I can think of, and really for the two of us, it's like we're there for like most of the shit that we're gonna say, both of us. So um, mm-hmm. it's more of jogging the memory. But I'm sure you remember this because how could you forget? Um, I don't know if I've told this story on here before, but what used to be the tradition for Christmas Eve was um, we would go see our grandma at about four and open presents and have snacks with her. And then we'd go to dinner at our uh, grandpa and step grandma's house. Um, but before that, we would take our, our family Christmas picture, uh, like in front of our fireplace. Um, oh God, I forgot about this. Yeah. Well, th- this one year, I think I was like 11 or 12, maybe. I was like, I had a stomach bug. I was coming down with it and I was really ill. But like, it was, it was one of those where it's just hitting me right then. So I'm like, I don't feel good, but I'm trying to not, not like make a big fuss because it's Christmas. And we go to all, how we lay out, it's, it's, they always brought that goddamn, uh, like, how do you describe it? Yeah, the piano bench. Yeah. Yeah. They brought out a piano bench. It actually, so they, I think they still have it in the basement. They used to have this old electric organ. Uh, that's the, that was the bench from that. I'm pretty sure. If the question is, do our parents still have something in the basement? The answer is yes, because fucking they don't get I, rid of anything, well, which is a lot I, of fun. Some, sometimes somebody else in our family will will claim something. I see. If they don't have any use for it, they'll give it away. But I, Oregon I might be buried down there somewhere. Yeah, I, um, I think it's still exactly where it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So they'd bring that out, and you and I would sit on that, and our our, our parents would stand behind us. One of us would hold the dog. Um. But we go to do this, and they would set the timer on the camera and take the picture. And, I mean, how, how much was the timer? Like five seconds? Something like that? Something like that. Just a short period of time. Enough for our dad to, like, do, like, the three-step jog back into place and, and get the picture in. Um, I'm really feeling queasy at this point. But I'm like, I we got to take this picture. Um, and we get the shot. My dad gets in place, the photo goes, the picture the picture goes, we hear the snap, and then within seconds after the picture's over, I just fucking hurl all over the place, all over the carpet, <laughs> um, and it's a huge fiasco. And so, I need to go hunt down this photo. The only part of it that bums me out is that had I just, I was trying not to ruin the photo, but looking back, had I just gone ahead and hurled right then and there... We would have captured one of the greatest photos of all time. <laughs> we just narrowly missed famous, the opportunity yeah. to be famous. Yeah. But even still, I need to go hunt this photo down because you could see I'm probably I think I'm just like completely just pale as a sheet, like a man who is within seconds of puking um, and find it. Maybe I can share it with all of you. But um, yeah, the rest of Christmas Eve wasn't super fun. But that is a story of how I very, very narrowly ruined the family Christmas picture but only managed to ruin the, uh, uh, the the period of time after we took the picture and made us late because I puked all over the floor. So, mm-hmm. good times. I completely and, forgot about that. That's, yeah, that's hysterical. I, and, I as gross as, and as gross as that is, that is a nice palate cleanser from talking about Father Don Juan Ugarte, one of the biggest villains we've ever covered on here, surely. Yeah, bad, bad man. Enemy of the pod. That's right. So that brings us to a conclusion of our, our uh, a Christmas 2023 episode of Here's a Guy. Um, 
let's go ahead and wrap this up like we always do. Um, let's start by going around the horn and hawking our shit. Cody, where can the people find you? Find me on Twitter. I am at sonofgravy42069. Uh, you can find me on Blue Sky. I am at Drowned in Gravy. You can find me right here on uh, Here's a Guy every week on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Um, and perhaps most importantly of all, you can find me on our Patreon page. I know we've plugged it already, but again, it's just five bucks a month. Um, you know, please help us make this worth all the time we put in. And more importantly, if you don't, I'm going to sneak into every house in your town on Christmas Eve and steal all the presents and decorations uh, down to the last can of hoo hash. But I'm not going to give them back. Uh, I'm going to sell them on eBay and then I'll eat that hoo hash myself, motherfuckers. So get on. I'm, pic- I'm picturing you moving around a house. I know like exactly the Grinch what moves you're around. picturing. Yeah. Well, there's two. There's the one, like, kind of like a. a where he does like the twinkle toes the things, toe, but then yeah. the other one where where he slithers on the ground like a snake, <laughs> just fucking yeah. That that's how I picture Father Ugarte when he's like getting all these relics, like just embracing being evil, like you're loving it. I kind of I kind of like that. I kind of like that for the Grinch in that moment, like he's living yeah. his best life. Um, how often fu- do you get to get all that spite out? Like, oh sure, yeah. Not many moments in life. So you can find me on Twitter at Turpin for Prez, also on Blue Sky at Turpin for Prez. Um, follow the podcast account as well. It's at Here's a Guy Pod. And as mentioned earlier, we have a mailbox. Here's a mailbox at gmail.com. Uh, send us whatever you like. Uh, comments, questions, criticism, feedback, poetry, as it turns out, um, is becoming a running thing. So send us whatever you like. We like it enough. We'll read it on the show. All right. Well, hope you all have a Merry Christmas, despite our uh, um, not entirely cheery disposition. It was cheery for some of it. Um, I it it brought me joy talking about how much I hated some of these. Yeah, Father Ugarte and and Sooners fans and cops. <laughs> it brought it, me joy talking the, about. Tis the season them. to be bitter. Yes. Yeah, but hope you all have fun. Hope you all have spent some time with your families and have a great holiday. Um. We will try to do the same here at Here's a Guy. Um, so our wish is out to you. Um, I guess that just leaves us with one thing. Cody, do you have a tagline, please? I do. All right. Well, sounds good. Thank you all for being here. Hope to have you back again with us next time. Cody, hit us with that tagline, please. Our podcast, who aren't on Spotify, hallowed be thy Patreon. Thy big questions come, thy taglines be done on Spotify as it is on Stitcher. And I'm Cody at Alex at Spiritus Jack John. Merry Christmas from Here's a Guy. Bye, daddies. <laughs>